Welcome to the Sober Nation FM podcast, where we're putting recovery on the map. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. This show is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Do you want to take your recovery to the next level? Do you want more support, community, and fellowship? Sobriety Engine is an incredible free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. You can get a ton of great tips, resources, and guidance to help you succeed in recovery and in life. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. Sober Nation FM is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle all while supporting your sobriety, then you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Nation, let's hop right into today's episode. Today, I'll be speaking with the creator of the FroPro Snack Bar and founder of the FroPro Foundation, Matt Williams. Thanks for coming on the show with me, Matt. Uh, Great to be here, man. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. So I'd like to start off by hearing a bit about your story. So (laughs) what was life like before you got sober and how did you actually find your way into recovery? Um, It was a series of a lot of uh, bad decisions um, sprinkled into a few like great occasions that were happening in my life. Uh, Worked pretty hard and was just one of those guys that, you know, uh, just wasn't ready to admit I needed help for a long, long time. Uh, and you know, a lot of people are like, yeah, man, grow up or, you know, what's your problem? And, and, you know, why can't get you, you know, why can't you, you know, get your stuff together? And, uh, I really, I really couldn't tell you why. Um, I always thought I was doing the right thing. I worked really hard. So, you know, it sounds really cliche, but the work hard, play hard thing, that was kind of how I operated. Cause I thought if I continued to excel in, let's just say school or anything else. It was one of those things where I was like, you know, you can't tell me what to do. I'm doing well here. I'm doing well there. And, you know, if I want to, you know, get after it a little bit, then, you know, I should be fine. But the problem with that is there's a lot of consequences for me. Uh, And I was your, your buddy that got, you know, in trouble. And, you know, I make this analogy all the time. It's like we were in a big room of people and, you know, let's just say the authorities showed up, I would be, you know, out of everybody there, I'd be the one thrown in the back of the car or, um, you know, mouthing off or, <laughs> or passed out or passed out in the corner. So right. yeah, it was, it was definitely one of those things where like, you know, life was, was great. Uh, but you know, anytime I consumed any type of alcohol or chemical, it, uh, it usually ended up pretty bad. Okay. Yeah. I, I can certainly relate to that. Just <laughs> an extremist, uh, to some yes. levels. And yeah, yes. I, I get that for sure. And so like, what age was all this starting for you? Um, you know, the, I, anytime I share my story, I always talk about just kind of like that initial, you know, I, I, you know, I would say I like the taste of alcohol, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I liked more of the manipulation and hiding it. And I kind of learned that later on, obviously, when I, <laughs> I asked for help and people, you know, people that were professionals were like, well, you know, you really enjoyed the the covering up. You really enjoyed living the double life. You really enjoyed the whole idea of telling people one thing and then doing something else or doing something else and, and kind of painting a different picture. So I, I was definitely the double life guy for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I get that for sure, man. That's really interesting. You know, I've never heard, and I, and I guess we, we all do this to some extent. I've never heard anyone say that they liked 
the you know the the manipulation or that kind of le- leading those two lives but I, I think that it that makes a really good point I think a big part of all of that for me wasn't just the substances it was the lifestyle itself correct and uh, and just getting wrapped up into that whole thing so um, at what point do you think that you started to see that this double life just wasn't working for you anymore Um, it got really, it got really bad. Uh, I would say early twenties, I had my first serious consequence, like right out of, um, college. Okay. And I, 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 you know, it was a DUI and, and most of my friends and other people had had it or experienced one or been in the car with somebody else. And I hadn't really lost anybody to, uh, drinking and driving or any other type of alcohol or drug related death. I knew of one or two people, mm-hmm. uh, but they weren't connected like in my, in my circle. Um, but everybody had, you know, everybody had a DUI. Uh, and it was kind of that like, oh man, don't worry about it. It's just like, you're, you're going to get through it. And, and it, I hate saying it, but back then that was like 2003. Yeah. I mean, there had been other things that happened, but I always got away with it. And that was the thing, like growing up in a small town and growing up, knowing a lot of different people and knowing the right people, you get, you know, kind of get away from or get, get out of certain things uh, because so-and-so or, uh, you know, you, you help that person's family or you were, you know, coaching that person's kid. And, you know, there was definitely some of those things where I should have gotten more consequences earlier on, but I never did. Um, yeah. So it definitely got really bad, uh, you know, harsh, harsher consequences, early twenties uh, and, had my first taste of a 12-step fellowship because I thought that's what you did when you got um, a DUI. It's like, oh, man, maybe, maybe I am an alcoholic. I don't know. Mm. Uh, and I checked it out, and I lasted maybe a couple days. And okay. I, I literally listened to these people, and I'm like, man, these people are chumps. You know, like yeah. They don't know what they're talking about. And it took, me another, it took me another seven years of pain, frustration, and heartbreak and just – dire consequences before I was able to admit I was an alcoholic. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and I, and I get that 100%. I mean, I think, uh, I had what is a pretty typical first experience that a lot of people had and it's, yeah, kind of what you just said, like these people just haven't figured it out. Basically. <laughs> right. Uh, right. You know, the, the equation that I have clearly figured out, even though I'm sitting in the same room as him, but yeah, you know, I was thinking, crazy it's a cult it's this it's that um so yeah and and obviously that didn't serve me too well at the time but so you go you go in now did the judge send you to aa or you were just like i feel i feel like this is just kind of what i need to do i looked into it um you know (laughs) that that real that dui actually essentially was wiped off my record uh due to licenses and having different licenses and being in different states. So uh, I, I knew I had an issue. I always said, like, I knew I had an issue. I knew I had a problem. I knew I had a situation, but I could never admit I was an alcoholic. And I didn't admit it when I went to those rooms. I just kind of sat there and I listened. And, I, you know, I, I listened to people who I identified with, but it made me mad. And like, it, it, I wasn't really there to hear a solution. I was just there to match what I had done or gone through and been like, I'm nothing like these people. So I should be here. And, and, and that, you know, 
and that's how I drank too. I, I didn't drink. I didn't need to drink every day. I need. I didn't need to wake up and have a drink. I didn't need to come home from a tough day, and 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 try to medicate. It it, it just was any time I put a substance in my body or I made the decision or you know, was out with friends. The minute I put something in my body, it was all bets were off, like no off switch, go, 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 go. Okay. All right. So, so you go in, you check it out, not for you. You're moving along through these next seven years. And I'm guessing to some degree that things are progressing, right? What's (laughs) what's going on over these next few years? Yeah. If you were looking in, looking at the timeline from the outside, you'd be like, wow, this is, this is definitely a problem. And, and before that timeline, it was definitely a problem. Crash cars, close calls, uh, a lot of different things that were evaded. But uh, yeah, I, I think the consequences got worse. The drinking and driving for, you know, progressed and, you know, the, the drinking progressed to a point where I was, you know, I was an educator. I taught for seven years uh, and I taught, you know, elementary school, middle school, and, you know, like I said, during the day, it was, you know, I'd get up, run, work out, go teach, go mentor, go tutor. I'd work at restaurants, I'd bartend, I'd do all these different things. And, you know, the things would come together and things would be okay. And I, I thought I was, I thought I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. I was like every other 20 something that was working. And then, like I said, the minute I really went after it, it was, you know, I could pull down progress in the, in the matter of 24 to 48 hours. And that usually involved crashing the car, losing, or not really losing employment, but like dancing around employment, a uh, couple close calls. And and th- in those seven years, it just got worse and worse and worse to where it ended up me really just drinking by myself and being by myself and looking out the window thinking that, you know, I was going to get in trouble or somebody was coming to get me or you know, someone's going to find out because, you know, those lives are starting to come closer and closer together. And Mr. Williams during the day was, you know, you know, the teacher and the, and the coach and the tutor was starting to come really close to like the person that was just completely reckless and completely didn't care who was in front of him, whether it was family, friends, or loved ones. And, and that, you know, that collided, <laughs> that collided on, um, on May 15th, 2010, down in South Florida, actually, um, at, a, at another DUI. And uh, it, was, it was the most public, the most memorable, because I was heavily intoxicated, but like coming in and out of the, the stupor that I was in, you know, I, I had thankfully not killed anybody, but the first time I really involved anybody in, in an accident, and thankfully everybody was okay, um, and you know, that, that situation literally stopped traffic on both sides of the road. And it was very close to my, <laughs> my employment. Oh. And yeah, I was coming from a, uh, a party and, you know, I, I know we'll get into this a little bit later, but like sure. that last, that last drink was out of a resentment. And I learned that kind of later on, but you know, at that time I literally crashed sat on the side of the road and essentially just waited to be arrested because I was just like done. Wow. Wow, That's crazy. Yeah. And actually that's crazy because that's my sobriety uh, birthday, May, May 15th. And, uh, and I know, you know, some other guys that have May uh, sobriety birthdays as well, which is, which is kind of interesting, but yeah, mine's officially the 17th because I was like incredibly intoxicated on the 15th. Okay. (laughs) So it was like a, a couple day sobering up basically. Yeah. It was go to, go to gun club, sober up. Thankfully I got out and, 
um, there wasn't really anything in my system on the 17th. So that's the day I figured, you know, and, and there was a lot of other things that happened in the next 48 hours from the 15th to the 17th. But that was the day that, you know, I started to make some phone calls and really ask for help. I mean, man, it, it, you know, we all say double life, right? That when you're <laughs> yeah. to some degree, but, and, and I was doing that. And I'm sure many of the people, you know, watching and listening to this, were doing the same thing. But, you know, when I listen to you, it's like, God, okay. I, you know, I'm just looking at this. It's guys getting up and running. He's going and teaching. I think you, you said you were a coach as well. Right. Yeah. So that just seems, and then at night, you know, doing what it is we know how to do so well. And, and yeah, that just seems like two completely opposite ends of um, the spectrum. So I, I want to ask, I mean, do you feel like obviously you, you knew or you had an idea of, of what to do because you went back to a 12 step program. It sounds like, right? Yeah, it was. Yes. Yes, I did. Okay. All right. And so do you think that that seed was at least planted that first time that you went in and, and even though you weren't ready, you said, no, this isn't for me. What made you go back? I, I'm always interested to hear like, because the same thing happened to me. What made you go back that direction? Do you think you realized like those people were right or was it just someone you knew? Like what was the connection there that, that brought you back in? So I forgot about those meetings. Okay completely okay and you know that that part of my life was it was like the fifth year of college i graduated and i was living in maryland and every other night was alcohol drugs and just a lot of just disaster okay. uh, so just different chapter different chapter completely yeah. and i remember the the instance of it being a very public thing mm -hmm. you know getting arrested and showing up to work monday uh and one of my students mothers was like i i, I think you should really call my husband and I was terrified of this guy, like not terrified, like he was going to beat me up, but he's just one of those guys that was like, he could, I felt he could see me when no one else could see me. Wow. And, uh, and this guy, you know, <laughs> we had a conversation. It was more along the lines of him telling me what I was going to do. And that meant he was going to pick me up. And I, I was terrified. I was like, you know, well, what do you mean you're going to pick me up? He's like, listen, it's when they, when they come talk to you. And he picked me up and he took me to an AA meeting and he was like 20 something years sober and he took me to a meeting and, um, I hope that's okay. I say that here. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, I just remember going in and just kind of like looking around and, and watching and, and, and something was different because I was seeing people happy. I was seeing people high five and hug. And I was, you know, watching this general kind of most of the people in the room, just genuinely happy to be here. And it really pissed me off because, I, I didn't know, I, I didn't know what that felt like. Yeah. And I remember sitting there and listening and he, you know, he nudged me and was like, you're up. And he kind of pushed me to tell everyone who I was, what I was. And I proceeded for like five minutes to like vomit on the meeting about, Oh, my, my poor me, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right, yeah. and, and, and it was crazy because after that, I started to hear people share about their experience. Um, and, uh, and, and the first guy that, that's, that raised his hand, you know, called me out and I didn't like being called out. I mean, who does? And he just says, yeah. And he just, you know, it's like, I'm telling everybody this, like these people, these most, I don't, I don't know the most painful thing that's going on. Like I lost my job. I lost my driver's license. I lost the house. I lost the girl. I blah, 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 blah. And everybody's just sitting and smiling and nodding. Mm. 
And I was like, man, F these people, yeah. you know, what do they think so funny? And I know they weren't laughing at me, but they were like, man, this kid's going through the emotional ringer. And I remember the guy raising his hand and he goes, man, I remember when I was just like you, you're a scared little boy and you have no idea what you're doing. Wow. And I was, uh, Hey, you know, no one, no one talks to me that way. But I sat there and I listened and then I listened to everybody and I, I listened with an ear um, for similarities and the craziest thing started to happen. I, I started to feel okay because other people had gone through what I had gone through. Other people had lost jobs. Other people had really struggled and like been through some, some things that I was like, man, I don't know how you're sitting here. If that happened to me, I, I, there's a chance I'd be dead. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of the first feeling. And then the whole love of the place and uh, the fellowship of, hey, man, what do you need? You need a ride? You need this? You need that? And like, it was the first time, because I was raised in a great family, but like, it was the first time someone was like, we don't want anything from you other than you showing up for an hour. Yeah. Maybe a little bit before, maybe a little after, but like, you got nothing else to do. You lost right. everything. Yeah. So what do you, so, so what's next? Wow. Man, that's, that's awesome. And I, I'm just, just as I hear you describe that, that, that was exactly my experience. You know? <laughs> Ex exactly. And just everything you described, like, you know, hearing, I remember like the first meeting or two where I was listening, mm -hmm. um, like things were still pretty foggy, but what I do remember, and th this is the craziest thing. This was almost seven years ago now. And I was in rehab and mm -hmm. I, I remember some of these, uh, like what really struck me and what was awesome for me was seeing some younger people sure exactly what you described like they were happy they seemed to like you know have their lives together mm -hmm. um and, and they were sober too like that was the thing that was just really crazy to me but i remember this one girl she had kind of an interesting name and i actually ran into her at a meeting the other day and i remembered her seven years prior specifically sharing wow. because she was just like so happy and so you know but one of the things you mentioned it is this guy like telling you what to do. And, and in most recovery programs, especially, you know, a 12 step program, it's supposed to be suggestive, right? <laughs> but, but I think I had a pretty similar experience and some other guys around me that were not very, I mean, they, they basically laid out, laid it out to me like this, like, Hey, these are suggestions, but the people that take these suggestions are the ones that are successful like i highly recommend that you do this and, and so uh did that guy did he end up, up sponsoring you as well or did you find another sponsor or? no i uh i was kind of too close to him okay and his family like there was a couple families that were really good to me and you know you get close to you know as a, as a teacher you get close sure. to certain families and i was you know from new york so i didn't really know anybody down here when i got here it was just okay. a tremendous opportunity for me to like leave everything that mm -hmm. i thought was you know, New York, Stanford, Connecticut, and Westchester, and completely leave that back. Oh, man, if I leave here, everything's going to be great, you know. Right. And, you know, when I first got down here, within 24 hours, I was completely hammered, because I lived on the beach, and like, <laughs> I'm 20, you know, 27 at the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he didn't become my sponsor, but he, he, he said, you don't have to rush into anything, just listen. And listen to the people that that share. And if somebody strikes you as 
you can strikes you as something that you can relate to on a on a deeper level ask them and i remember i asked this kid and he had like eight sponsees and i didn't really know what that meant and he's just like hey man I'm, i just got to be honest with you i think you're great you can call me anytime but you know um i got one of my guys that i think would be a good fit and and that guy worked with me for a couple months and he went out to do some research but i had been going to enough meetings and i had been you know i i, I did a month of meetings I, I was fortunate enough to go into a treatment program um, that, you know, had 12-step fellowships in it and also allowed me to go to certain men's meetings okay. uh, in the area. And I remember, you know, that's <laughs> weird. You look, <laughs> I remember I'd heard a guy a couple of times, you know, share and speak and I bumped him at the gym and it was right around the time I wasn't really sure what my, my sponsor at the time was doing. And I said, hey, man, I don't really know you. I've heard you speak. Uh, my name's you know Matt, and uh, I'm I'm looking for a new sponsor. And it's like weird asking a guy, <laughs> yeah. you know, like you're yeah. in the gym and you're like, hey man, I don't know you, but like, can you save my, can you help save my life, please? Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. And uh, yeah, no, I I worked with him for a little while, and it was it was that kind of like tough, tough love situation. You know, this guy he had what I wanted too because I'd heard him. He had like four kids. He had a house, a business. He was busy and he was like crushing AA and he was doing this, he was doing that. And I was like, you know, he was golfing, he was doing all these fun things and his life was so full. And I was like, man, I really want that. Mm. And man, he, you know, he, he, he really laid it out and he said, listen, man, I'm, I'm busy. He goes, you know, I'll never forget this. And I share this all the time. Like, I forgot, like one day I missed calling him and he wasn't like too aggressive like, like that, you know. Hey, if you miss a phone call, never call me again. Right. And I called him the next day. I was like, Hey man, I'm sorry. I didn't call you. Um, you know, why didn't you call me? And, he, and, it, and this is what rocked my world. He goes, man, when you have something I want, I'll call you. Wow. And I was like, I was like, buddy, that's a little harsh. And he goes, he's like, listen, he goes, you know, the deal. You didn't make it a priority. You didn't call me yesterday. And those, and, and those are the things I, I grew up learning, you know, like I, I, you know, I went to certain places and I saw these guys drinking coffee and they were all like doing stuff before the meeting. And I looked at them, I was like, yeah, man, why, 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 why are we doing that? And he goes, once again, let me break this down for you. I have a very full life. I have four children. I have a job. I have this, I have that. I am here with you. I would be here without you. If you want that, go build it yourself. And I was like, okay. And, uh, and, and that was the thing. Like there were these like so many pivotal moments that in early sobriety that I still remember like clear as day. I remember where I was, how it was said, the tone, everything. And it sticks with me. And, you know, unfortunately that guy went back out and do some more research. Um, and I worked with another guy and it's just funny, man. Cause like the guy, you know, <laughs> I have a bunch of friends that I grew up with that are no longer here on this planet, unfortunately. And then there's a couple guys that I grew up with that have been in these rooms for 20 plus years, you know, and, and, and I'm 38. So, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy that, you know, I'm connected to some of these guys I grew up with and, you know, a couple other guys that just came down here the last couple of years that, you know, their life was completely unmanageable and, you know, the, the, the other option was, you know, jail institution or death. And like, it's crazy what this, you know, what sobriety and what the fellowship and what all this can do if you actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I got no. off on a little tangent there. Sorry. No, no, that's, <laughs> that's all awesome stuff. And, um, 
yeah, I, I learned a lot of the same things. And um, I, I was definitely, like I said, I was grateful that I had some guys around me, especially my sponsor that was just, he, he didn't beat around the bush. Um, and I, I think I've, like, I've found myself having this conversation a lot lately. I think it's just so important. You know, we need people in our lives that are just going to tell us, like, hey, this is what's up, man. Like, <laughs> you know, you're messing up, you know, or, or just look like you've been making bad decisions for a really long time. Yep. This is just what you need to do. And, and so, I, you know, I was, like I said, I know it's, it's a suggestive program, but really, I think, thankfully, I'm so grateful for this. I got to the point where I realized that I just didn't know shit. And I really just needed some people to tell me what to do because I was just failing at life, period. 100%. And, um, and, and so, so I get that. And, um, and I get the calling thing too. You know, I mean, my sponsor was kind of the same way, you know, as I, I would call him. And then after a certain period of time, you know, he might kind of call in and check in on me. But I think he kind of laid out to me like, Hey, if you're not calling me, there's probably some spiritual growth or something that something you're going through that, that you need to be going through. And, <laughs> and I'm probably just going to let you go through that until I, you know, until I hear from you. So, so I, I, I get that now, let me ask you. So, so it sounds like you start getting into this, you go to the meetings, you go to treatment. That's also, uh, you know, kind, kind of combined, I guess, with a, a 12 step program. It sounds like you're building kind of a, a team of guys around you that also have solid sobriety, I'm guessing, which is, which is awesome. And so you get rolling. I, I guess I'm kind of curious. I always like asking this, what was, what were some of the biggest challenges that you think you faced early on? Because obviously it isn't just, you know, perfection uh, right off the bat when we get into this deal. Sure. Um, I think entitlement was a huge one. I, okay. I don't know. I wasn't raised that way, but entitlement was a huge one and losing a driver's license and being in a state where the public transportation is less than stellar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is definitely a challenge in the fact that you need to get around and you need to be resourceful. And it's not about, you know, relying on other people and taking advantage of people, but it was like, Hey, you know, the first three years of getting around with that, you know, 2010 to 2013, mm -hmm. um, it was one of the most, most challenging things. And I remember it and I, I'm grateful I went through it because, you know, when someone tells me today, like, oh, I can't get here and can't get there. I'm like, you got a car? You got a bike? You got a bus? You know, it's like, there's no, there's no excuse. And, you know, my excuses had run out. So I think the, 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 <laughs> Getting around was one of the biggest challenges, but I'm grateful for it. Um, the other thing I, I really struggled with was uh, boundaries okay. uh, and, and people that that were my friends for a long time that had to put on like a sober hat and to be like, hey, man, like, I'm still your friend, but, you know, this is life or death. And like, if you're not going to take this seriously, like, you know, I'm not going to watch your life fall apart again. Uh, and, and really learning that balance between, you know, uh, some, some of my friends. Uh, and I think that one of the more challenging, you know, I guess there's not really levels, but, you know, it was just watching the amount of people. Once I was aware of alcoholism and really it was kind of in tune um, with what was going on is watching people die. Mm. 
and watching people make decisions that helped me realize like, wow, my family watched me make these decisions for years. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, I was, I was super ashamed, man. I was super embarrassed. Um, I had said a lot of things to, you know, my father who had passed while I was still drinking. I'd said a lot of things to people that were just there to help me and to be there for me that I completely rolled over and treated poorly and, you know, scared my, you know, my family, um, you know, to a point of like, you know, they love me. They love me from afar. And that's because I, I I set it up that way. Yeah. You know, and, and those are the things that was the biggest challenge was, you know, no, you can't say I'm sorry anymore. Yeah. You know, you can't say, Hey, you know, this is how it's different. It's, you know, that one of my least favorite sayings that my first sponsor always said is time takes time. And I'd be like, yeah, hey. that's a sponsor saying for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, hey, why don't you shut up a little bit? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. but those are the things. It's like, what what actions are you going to take? You know, and then I learned about, you know, the, the living amends and the amends of honoring my father because that was my only option or honoring the people that were no longer here that really gave everything to see me or to help me get through whatever I was getting through. Yeah. No, I, so, I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. I mean, yeah, because our words mean nothing. <laughs> nothing. You know, it's yeah. like a, a sorry is just at this point, like, yeah, man, just yeah. keep it moving. Cause yep. <laughs> keep it moving. Yeah. Just yeah. Get out of here. Um, yeah, I think that, and, and again, too, it's like working so hard. It's funny. It's like, you can kind of relate it to the times we're going through right now. It's like, you work so hard to do something. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's gone. Uh, I couldn't teach anymore. No one's going to hire me. You know, like the school I was at, I had already, <laughs> I had already said, Hey, I, I promised to be down here for three years, but like I wanted to go back to New York. So I didn't resign a contract. And, you know, then this happened two ah, a month and a half later. And they were like, good luck. Wow. And, wow. Uh, they had, and they had every right to do that. Sure. You know, I had, you know, reneged on, you know, a promise I made because I was being selfish. So I think, you know, realizing that you work so hard to be involved and be a teacher and be a coach and do all this stuff. And then, you know, by, you know, making decisions to drink and drug, you throw all that away and it's like, okay, now what? And what am I going to do? Mm. You know, so that was definitely very scary. Um, just trying to figure out those next steps and, Fortunately, I had a lot of great people that were like, hey, you know what? It doesn't really matter because all you need to focus on is not drinking and drugging today, showing up to a couple meetings, and, and, and just literally getting by where you're paying your rent and eating. <laughs> That's yeah. it. I think it's so important for me to remember those times of just because, man, I didn't have a driver's license either you know, and um, remember those times in the beginning where it was like, wow, I am paying a bill. Uh, I'm paying rent, like the most basic of things. And I I know one thing that screwed with me, and I don't know if, if this was your experience at all, but was just comparing myself to, you know, I would see like on Facebook, for instance, like, I'm seeing all these friends from high school that are married, working, you know, got six figure plus careers, (laughs) uh, you know, and it's like, 
man, you know, I just, uh, you know, I just got my first paycheck. <laughs> I just know. made $400 for the month. I just <laughs> made $400. Pat myself on the back. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. It's, it's tough. It's tough for sure. Well, so things are really different now to say the yes. least. And, yeah. and so I want to fast forward a little bit. And, sure. Uh, I mean, I really want to ask you about FroPro mm -hmm. and just how, how all of this got started. I mean, this is just, you're, you're coming from somewhere where, you know, like you said, you've no longer a teacher. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that opportunity has got like, how does this all come about? How do you end up starting your own business? Like, how does that even become an idea considering just what <laughs> um, what was, what was great was there were still some, uh, some fan, you know, Par parents and families that knew I had gone through okay. uh, that, you know, said, Hey man, listen, everybody goes through some rough times and no one really knew the depth because people like, Hey man, you know, you got to it was, again, it was like, Oh, you got a DUI. And no one knew the years and the laundry list of things that had gone on really, unless you like knew me, knew me. Right. Um, and it, it was one of those things I started training a little bit and a couple of people like, Hey man, you're still down in Florida. Hey, uh, you know, can you come train my kid here or can you do this or do that and the you know the girl that I was dating who you know she literally it's funny I'm married to her now and I always laugh about that because like we were dating a little bit of time but she um you know she grew up down here and she knew a couple people that were like hey I need a tutor I need a trainer and you know slowly I just started biking you know to these places and you know what's what's great what's great about having nothing is like there's no expectations so when you like pull up to a place like, oh, you're really healthy. You bike everywhere. I'm like, yes. Yeah. Planned <laughs> that's correct. It. Planned yeah. it that way. Yep. That's how it works. <laughs> but uh, I started to make these like, um, you know, I really didn't have much. And, you know, there's like basic necessities in the, you know, the, the cupboard and, you know, there's some of the things that I had. And, you know, it was basic, you know, standard early recovery is, uh, you know, uh, eggs, peanut butter, oatmeal. Um, oatmeal. maybe a couple other, like, if you're lucky, you know, a steak or a piece of chicken. Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't really have much, but I had these things and I just started making my own like little bars. And it was just weird. Cause I, I was at a job that uh, a friend of a friend had given me. And it was one of those things where it, <laughs> I'd sit in front of a computer they'd give me a project. They give me two weeks to do it. I would do it in two to three days. And then they say, why don't you just hang out? If anybody needs help, we'll come get you. So I just started, I was like, oh, I'm not really much of a tech guy. So I just like, I would float around, you know, read nutrition articles, read about all this, that, and the other thing. And I was like, oh man, I'm just going to like make my own bar. It's pretty easy. And I just started making it. And it literally was the thing that I packed in my bag. Cause if you're from Florida and you're in early recovery and you, <laughs> and you don't have a car, you get a backpack, you put a plastic bag in it, you put a change of shoes. If you're fortunate enough to have two pairs of shoes, you put a, pair of shorts or something or else to change into and you ride in a bathing suit because if you ride in a bathing suit and it rains which it does all the time here yeah you're going to be okay little okay. tip for everybody out there if you ever end up down here in early sobriety uh and the only other thing i had in there were these little bars and they're peanut butter just like peanut butter squares and one of the kids i trained was like i want to try that and i said hey you gotta ask your yeah you gotta ask your mom and because I know like food allergies and being a teacher uh, and like, you yeah. know, it's like, God forbid this kid tries it, has anaphylactic shock, passes sure. out. And then I, you know, then I'm the guy that killed a kid yeah. on top of being an alcoholic in town. <laughs> so she was like, yeah, of course. Yeah, she tried it. She's like, oh, this is really good. 
And then the mom was like, wow, this is really good. What do you call this? And I was like, I, I don't really call it anything. I just make it for myself. And she's like, oh, wow, you make your own stuff. It's like pretty entrepreneurial of you. And, you know, the next time I went back there, she was just like, hey, you know, I've been thinking a lot about that. You know, it's really, it was really good. Can you make it here? And I just like looked in her closet. And I was like, yeah, sure. I like whipped it together. And she's like, Matt, I think you're onto something here. And I'm like, I don't really know what you're talking about. And she says, you know, um, how do you make it? Because normally it's room temperature. I said, yeah, and I freeze it. You know, it's like this, that, and the other thing. It's like frozen protein, pro pro. And she's just like, she's like, starts like banging out stuff on the computer. She was in marketing and PR, which I had no idea. Wow. And she was just like, hey, give me your credit card. I was like, I, I, I don't have a lot of money. She's like, give me your credit card. You'll figure it out. And she like bought like 10 domain names. It was like www.gofropro.us, you know, all the laundry list. And then she goes, hey, now go test your product. And I was like, hey, I, I really appreciate you being so nice to me and spending $130 on my credit card. <laughs> um, I don't really know what you're talking about. Yeah. And she said, Matt, you have a great product. Let me just tell you something. My kid is the pickiest eater. She's a brat. <laughs> and I was like, okay. She said, just go test it. And so I did what any, you know, person in early recovery did is um, I overthought about it and I got scared and I didn't really didn't do anything about it for about a year. Hmm. And I just kept making it for myself, training people, biking everywhere. And one of my buddies opened a gym right around the time I started to want to get back into like the counseling role. Cause I, in school, I was a teacher and wanted to be a counselor as well. So I was like really looking for <laughs> that perfect fit in you know, there was no schools hiring, but treatment centers were hiring. Okay. And the treatment center I went through was like, hey, here's an opportunity. Um, and at the same time, this gym opened and I went in there and I said, listen, I'll take your earliest classes. And they were like ecstatic because no one wants to wake up at 5 a.m. and teach. And I was like, I will do it. And like, just so you guys know, I'm sober, so I don't drink. So there'll be no danger of me missing a class because yeah. I will be there. Yeah. And it was, a, it was like the first opportunity where I could literally bring in this bar. And I said, all right, let's do this. I brought in this bar and I said, guys, I just want them to try it. I don't want anybody to know it's mine. I really want some honest feedback. I don't want anybody to be like, oh yeah, that's the alcoholic, you know, loser kids bar over there. And like, let's say it's good and feel bad for them. Right. Because that's, that's, how I, that's how I really thought. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, if someone doesn't like this, I'm going to be devastated. And uh, the great thing was, it's like, yeah, hey, you know, like guys try this after your workout, you know, this is a, a new local company and, you know, we just want to see, you know, get your guys feedback. They just want us to test it. You guys get free product and people were loving it. People were like, wow, this is great. This and, and is so, so cool. So I'm I, okay. I, I've got to rewind because like, <laughs> like I said, like I'm man, I'm, I'm, I'm supplements, I'm nutrition. Um, right. So I'm thinking through all this, like, I've made like little protein balls before out of like oatmeal and, and peanut butter. So did you, did you package this? Did you no. like, okay. I literally, I put it, I put it in like a Ziploc baggie. Um, and, <laughs> okay. and that, and that's, and that's how it started because that's how I yeah. tried. Like I didn't have much. Okay. So when I put it, like when I put it out <laughs> and this is the funny part, when I put it out, um, I had used a brownie pan and I had just cut it by hand. And so people are like, oh, are these brownies? What are these? And they tried it and they're like, wow, this is really good. And it was just like a chocolate and it was like whey based. And it was all the stuff that was like cheap that I could get, Yeah, right. you know, from like vitamin shop. And, sure. um, you know, one lady, she looked at me and she's like, or she, she was like, wow, I'd love to try this guys, but I can't, I'm uh, plant-based and I'm a vegan. Mm. 
And I was like, cool, what does that mean? And she's like, well, you know, you use whey-based protein, uh, which is dairy, I can't have it. And everything else is pretty legit in here. And she goes, um, do you know who makes this? And I was just kind of like, <laughs> yeah, I do. Like, I, you know, I, if I'm being honest and, you know, it's, it, you know, I, I, I told her and she's like, great. She's like, well, why don't you try to make it differently? And I, and I like did a little research, found some plant-based protein, did the whole thing again, brought it back to her. And she's like, wow, this is really good. Give me a hundred. Wow. And I was like, what do you, I was like, what, what, what do you mean? And she said, I need a hundred. I own a juice bar or I manage a juice bar. Get, bring me a hundred. I said, well, I, like bring you a hundred on a plate. She's like, no, figure out how to wrap it, bring it to me. And whenever you're ready, I'll sell them. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay. And I, I only knew how to make like 10 to 20 at a time. Right. Yeah. Like small batches. Yeah. Right. So we figured that out. I got like some, remember that like glad press and seal stuff. Yeah. 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 Like I got that and like I cut squares out and I wrapped it, put a little sticker on it and I brought her a hundred and they were like different sizes and she, you know, like main, they're very close to being the same. Very, very close. Okay. But they weren't and it looked homemade. And I remember I went in there and like, I had lawyer friends who were just friends and they, they, they like wrote up this like 14 page document and I walk in with the documents and this and I was like, hi, uh, I'm here. And she was like, Matt, put the paper away. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to help you out. Yeah. And yeah. Like, yeah. She's like, here's the deal. I'm going to put these at the point of sale. And I was like, what does that mean? She's like, when people check out, this will be right there. Cause yeah. that's where our cooler oh, is. Man. That's awesome. And I was like, okay. And she goes, I'll let you know, I'm going to buy them for this, but I'm not paying you until I sell all of them. And I was like, Oh, okay, great. You know, I, I later find out that's consignment and you typically don't want to do that, but whatever. Right. Right. Three days go by. She calls me. She's like, Matt, I sold out. I need a hundred more. Wow. And I was like, Oh, okay. Wow. And so I made her a hundred more. I, I was like, wow, that's so great. She's like, yeah, people love them. Hey, go talk to my friend in Delray. She's opening a juice bar. This is like when juice bars are starting to get like yeah. some steam. I went over there. She's like, yeah, no, it's great. Uh, so-and-so told me about it. Let me, let me take 20. And that's kind of how it started where people were just like, I was working in a treatment facility. I was training and coaching classes and I was making these things. So I was like literally working seven days a week. And it was so great because I had spent probably a year and a half, two years of only just literally waking up, <laughs> you know, going to meetings and trying to just make, make a life that, you know, was doable. Yeah. Uh, but I was, I tell you this, I was the half, aside from the transportation issue, one of the happiest guys around mm. because like everything I was doing felt right and felt good. And I had this like little, I shared this with, I've shared this with like a couple people. I had this like little thing and this little faith, whatever you want to call it inside of me that was like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know what I'm doing is okay. And it's right. And I should keep doing it no matter what anybody else says. Cause there was a lot of people that were like, dude, that's the dumbest thing ever. Dude, we live in Florida refrigerated snack bar. And this is before anybody was refrigerated. Any of them. I'm not saying I created refrigerated snack right, bars or right. frozen snack bars, but like yeah. this is before the major companies came out and on market and people were poking holes in it. And I just was like, yeah, no, I agree. Like, I think that's, you bring up a valid point, but like right now this is, this is what I know. And this is what I'm good at. 
And uh, it literally, that's how like the grassroots started to take shape. And we started to grow and we started to go to a couple different accounts. And meanwhile, the girl I'm dating, who is now my wife, like, it's just me. Okay. You know, and I was like, for the first, you know, for the first couple of batches of that juice bar, I was at home. But like, I didn't want to be uh, like a, it's like a cottage. It's called the Cottage Act. I didn't want to have to put a sticker that says I make this in my home because that makes some people feel uneasy. So I reached out to somebody in the program and I was like, hey, you got a kitchen, right? And they're like, yeah. I was like, how much would it be if I rented it? And they're like, well, the only times you could do it would be like, you know, typically nighttime. And, you know, you could probably have it from like 9 p.m. to 3 a.m. if you wanted. And I was like, wow. I was like, those really aren't ideal times for me. Um, But I jumped on it and I took it. And, you know, that's where I, I, I really started to dive into doing this on a, on a bigger production level and like a couple hundred bars went to a couple thousand. Um, I met a guy that was doing some kitchen work. It was like, Hey man, I'd love to help you. He was a hard worker and I could see that. Um, and like, there was a couple other people that came and went that, you know, didn't have the work ethic that kind of fit. And, uh, you know, it's crazy. Like we, <laughs> I don't want to fast forward too fast, but like, and, sure. and, but like, you know, where we are today is incredible. You know, we started with one juice bar and now we're, you know, shipping nationwide. Um, you know, we have accounts in, we're in all of Whole Foods of, for, of Florida. So it's over 30 plus stores uh, of just Whole Foods. Um, we have about 80 retail locations across the country, uh, California, Colorado, New York, Florida, um, a couple random, obviously, because no one's from Florida. So uh, what's cool is people leave and they go back to wherever they are typically from okay. if they're not full-time here. Yeah. And they're like, hey, man, you got to call, you know, ABC Juice and ABC Gym. And, you know, they're they're great. They're going to love your story. And, you know, or, you know, I was c- getting connected to people through sobriety mm-hmm. or through struggle or through, you know, um, you know, hardship. And it was just so cool, man, because like, I'm, I'm, I'm the worst salesman in the, on the planet, you know, like, uh, I, you know, if you're like, Hey man, you know, F your company. And I'm like, okay, yeah, no, nah, man, you know, m- you know, much love. And, you know, if you try the product, you're like, it's not for me. I'm like, Hey man, I, I thank you for trying it. You know, tell me why it's not for you. And, you know, if I can improve upon it, you know, and, and coming from a position of just like, I'm not going to please everybody because yeah. I used to be one of the biggest people pleasers. Mm. Um, and, and not everybody's going to be about a peanut butter bar or an almond butter bar. Yeah. Um, you know, the, <laughs> the market would tell you um, otherwise. Uh, but it, it was one of those things that it, it, it never started out to be a business. It never started out to be something where I was trying to prove something. It was just like, Hey man, I really enjoy doing this. This is a fun thing that turned into literally what, built the rest of my life outside of everything else, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. That's, that's so awesome, man. I, I just, I love hearing stories like this. And I think, you know, hearing stories like this was kind of an added motivation for me, like in early sobriety. I, I mean, cause I, I came from like, you know, sales background and entrepreneurial kind of spirit to some degree, you know, even though some of the things may not have been 
very legal that I was into uh, <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, but, but, you know, that same mindset was there. But, um, you know, I, I think one thing that you just said that I really like hearing was like, hey, you know, like people will always appreciate, even if they don't really necessarily like what you're doing or, or maybe they're just kind of, you know, yeah, it's okay, fine. Um, they always appreciate hearing your story. Right. You know, and, 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 and for the most part, like people will support you kind of like you're saying, like these people that maybe you just meet randomly. Oh yeah. I'm going to hook you up with blah, blah, blah up in New York at this gym. Yeah. Um, and it's mainly just because of your, your story and, and your background. And, um, and I think that's so awesome. You know, you're, you're talking about a lot of things here, Matt, a lot of, I guess what we could kind of refer to is just the, the principles uh, in recovery that I'm hearing have played a, a major role, um, not just in your life, but in, in building this business and making it the su uh, success that it is. So tell me, like, how do you balance running a business with your recovery? And, and really, like, how do you see those two fitting together? Uh, that's, yeah, I, I don't want to say it's easy because I know it's not for, for some people, but yeah. recovery, com recovery comes first. If I, if I don't have a program, if I'm not, you know, dialed in, if I'm not on my routine, mm -hmm. nothing, nothing else works. And I learned that, uh, not through like tragic trial and error in the beginning, but you know, it's like, oh yeah, you know, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. Like, I don't need to do this right now. And it's like, nah, I need to keep doing what I, what I started doing when I got here. Okay. Um, it keeps me dialed in it keeps it fresh and, uh, it, it allows me to, you know, hear you know the, they call it the juice you know i mean like it allows me to hear the juice of like people that are just coming in and how bad it is out there and allows me to hear about people that are you know doing this a long time that are still doing it and because they're doing it life is just continually getting better mm -hmm. um so i think you know recovery for me comes first i'm still doing the same things that i th this is where the suggestions like you know it's not hey do this but it was like you know hey when you get up you know whatever, whatever your understanding in the universe to be of a higher powers, you know, thank that, thank whatever that is, you know, whoever that is, whatever that is to you. And for me, it's, you know, I thank God every day that I'm alive, I wake up wherever I'm living or wherever I'm staying, wherever I'm visiting. And I find like a place where it's quiet. Um, and I usually hit my knees, say a little prayer, do a little meditation, um, and, and get quiet. And then, uh, I have the daily reflections book. And it's the same one that I got when I got here. And I have 10, almost 10 years of journals oh, wow. um, from essentially what's based around that book, which is a reading every single day for every day of the year. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes they're short. And, oh, and sometimes, um, sorry, I don't know why. All right. I just got to cut off there. You, are, you can yeah. still hear me. Yeah, right. we're good. Um, so like in doing, in doing that, it just kind of allows me to get centered for the day. And then typically it's kind of crazy now, like obviously with this quarantine being on like, you know, I go to zoom meetings. Right. Um, but I'm usually, I'm a 7am guy. So okay. I usually like check in, uh, with, you know, the 12 step fellowship in, in, in the early morning and then my day starts. Uh, so I think, you know, all of that being said and all that, all of doing that has really, really helped me, um, do what I'm doing today. And, and that's the thing, man. It's like, I, you know, some people are like, wow, it's really boring. You know, like, well, okay. 
you know, for me, it really works, you know, and, you know, there's days, like I said, I go through the motions and I'm not connected and it's, it's a challenging day. And there's days where it's like, man, you could like shoot a, you could shoot a bullet at me and it would be like, I just feel like complete, like you can't get through this. Like, I feel great. I feel strong. I feel untouchable in like a good way. Not the way I used to feel when I was like, oh man, I'm 23 and like, you can't touch me. Um, but I'm, 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 I try to be as connected as possible. Um, I try to do as much service and, you know, work with as many people as I can, uh, because that was done for me. And, and I think that's like, that's where everything, that's where everything comes together, man. And, and, and it's, you know, all these things and, you know, all these, uh, opportunities that are there to do the right thing. Like, you know, I, we're going, you know, a lot of people have said years ago, Hey, you got to do this. Hey, you got to do that. Like in terms of like taking that and going to business, Hey, you should start doing this. I'm like, Hey, listen, this is working. Yeah. And if this, if this takes me 10, 20 years, great. You know, I love it. The minute I stop loving something or I don't want to do it anymore, I know I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. Mm. And, you know, I, I, I take my, my, my program seriously to the fact, like I have a good time, but like, this is the number one thing. And I made that very clear. Like my wife knows it. She's like, man, <laughs> stay dialed in, stay connected because everything else is improved by that. My relationship with my wife, my family, my friends, um, my business, you know, I, you know, you, you talked about, you know, working for a couple of places back in the day that were less than, uh, less than stellar. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've been around that. I've watched that. I've mm-hmm. seen my friends get sucked into that and they can't get out. And, you know, they may not always go back out, but it's, it's really tough to watch. Yeah. Um, and, and it's cool, man. Like, you know, that, that balance is everything and it's really hard. There's days where I, I just am not connected and it's, it's a perception thing. And that perception can be skewed because I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. But the other side of that is if it's not going the way that it normally does, I don't beat myself up anymore. Cause I used to beat myself up all the time and just be like, Oh, it's not perfect. I'm a perfectionist. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people that, you know, whether they're in addiction or not, it's like, you know, you got 10 things to do and you do nine out of 10, right. I'm not going to focus on the nine I did right. I'm going to focus on the one I did wrong. Absolutely. And then I, and then I'm going to kick myself over and over for that and everything else suffers. Yeah. So I you know, no, I, I get that. That's, <laughs> that is something that I'm still and you know, and I think I never thought of myself as a perfectionist, like until I, you know, I came into the program and it was, you know, I, I saw it uh, in my first four step to some degree. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's me, man. And that's one of the biggest things I have to watch these days is really, it's almost resentments against myself hundred percent could that's perfect you know i mean i i don't think there's there's any other way to uh to put that so i i want to ask you're talking about service you're talking about helping others a little bit um what is the fro pro foundation all about and and what are you guys actually working on and who do you work with so you know it's funny we <laughs> I had an opportunity to run the New York city marathon back in like 2016. And we had this like huge, there was like this huge competition with like ASICs and foot locker. And, you know, it was my first time fundraising okay. and like, essentially it was like, I was fundraising to go to the New York city marathon because I was on a team and 
I was amazed by how many people came out of nowhere and people I hadn't even heard from in a while that were like, Hey man, I've been following along with what you're doing on social media. I think it's great, you know, good for you. And you know, awesome. And then we win this competition in 2016, the commercial goes live on the marathon and people I hadn't heard of in 20, 25 years reach out. Hey, my brother's struggling. Hey, I lost my sister. Hey, my dad's struggling. You know? And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And, and, and a lot of, and a couple of my friends had started like a couple of like free workout things. Okay. And, um, and I, I was like, man, this is great. What I found was in, 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 in kind of directing people to something else, um, people really didn't understand the connection. Mm. Um, so my wife and I, once we, you know, once we opened up pro pro, you know, the headquarters, um, which was incredible, like two years ago, you know, we said, you know, let's, let's start a foundation where whatever money we raise, we're very clear where it goes. Okay. You know, like this is a hundred percent of whatever we get goes to wherever we're, you know, it's like if we're raising money for, we wanted to send a runner to New York city, you know, she was going to get the money to go to New York city. You know, you know, we were going to pay for half of her, um, you know, whatever we, whatever we raised, we were going to pay, for that, that donation from the program foundation and from our community would go to her. Okay. Or if we were raising money for, you know, workout equipment for people that, you know, give free classes to halfway houses and treatment centers, people that are just getting started and like how important like working out was in my early recovery and always kind of has been, but mm -hmm. you know, it's like raising money and say, you know, Matt and Chelsea are raising money. So like when we started the foundation, it was like, Hey, people respond to when we're going out to raise money. And rather than saying, Hey, go visit XYZ foundation and donate, please. Cause like they may not know what XYZ foundation is, they, right. but they know us, they know yeah. who we are. They know what we're about. So we started that and it's been pretty cool, man. Like, you know, it's uh, we, we've done some fundraising and like I said, like I use a couple examples of, you know, helping someone go to the New York city marathon. Um, we sent a guy and a girl to, you know, uh, two years running, um, you know, get equipment and, uh, raise some funds for people, um, that, you know, couldn't afford, you know, living outside of treatment that got scholarship for certain things. Okay. Um, we try to do things on the, you know, not that like what everybody else is doing, like scholarship or detox or anything like that. Like, right. you know, those, those big companies can do that, yeah. you know, but yeah. you know, we're trying to do something along the lines of like, Hey, this is going to be, you know, getting so-and-so, um, a training license to become a trainer, uh, a, you know, uh, helping them figure out, Hey, do I want to go back to school? This is too expensive. Okay. What can we do to help you do that? Um, so there's different situations and it's, you know, that was like our predominant, focus when we started it it's gotten a little quiet just because i feel like there's so many things happening um before all the quarantine stuff yeah. but there was a lot of things going on where it's like there was an event every weekend and it became i mean honestly it became exhausting uh and it was like hey we're doing more fundraising which is great but it's taking away from living a life that you know we we were fortunate enough to build and you know, if we continue to do what we're doing over here, we can then continue this and not direct too much of our focus on that and just have that priority of building, building what we're building. Yeah. Well, man, that sounds really awesome. I, I think, I think the main thing that I just heard there that you guys have been doing through this foundation is that it, it's not, um, 
it, it's about the the living life in recovery. And, and, you know, it's, it's not the, Hey, uh, this person's just getting sober necessarily. It's like the next few steps. I think that's really cool because I think there's kind of a gap there. A lot of times it's like, okay, um, this person's in treatment, they get out of treatment and, and then what, right. (laughs) Then what's going on? What, you know, what's, what's next. And, and a lot of people, obviously, if they don't have that support or they can't get that kind of a little leg up or that help with school or that help getting that trainer certification or, you know, whatever it is, or just even something cool, like going to the New York marathon. I mean, um, you know, that, that can be, uh, that can be tough. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's pretty awesome. And I also get, I, I hear what you're saying about the balance. And I, and I think this is where I like when people say that, um, you know, just recovery in general, it's not, about being selfish it's about self and it's in that hey i have to take care of myself because like you guys you said you were getting a little overextended with the foundation stuff and it's like okay well if i'm not taking care of myself as much then i'm not going to be able to continue to do that 100 percent. and and i think you know like if we were going to look at this in like 12 and 12 step terms which is kind of how i think of it you know i think of like the big book and it's saying, you know, no one solely, like we don't recommend solely doing this. Right. You know, like some people can do that, but we don't necessarily recommend that. Uh, you got, you got to get out and you got to do some different things too. Sure. Um, so, uh, so man, before we wrap up here, I'd like to ask you, Matt, what is one piece of advice that you'd like to share with the sober nation? <laughs> Oh man, there's a lot of those little tidbits. Um, you know, one thing that always stuck out to me and, and I'll always remember is one of my sponsors used to say, um, you know, we're in the effort business. We're not in the results business. So whatever you do, if you get to wake up every day and every day you get a chance to wake up and put forth maximum effort into whatever it is you're doing, whether it's your work, your family, your kids, your job, your relate, your whatever it is, you know, put that you know, put that effort in and, 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 and really chase after whatever you got to do. You know, I think in recovery, it's incredibly easy to get into a routine and no one likes change. So I think when change starts happening and like things are, you know, there's a, I can't tell you how many times the unknown has happened in the last 10 years where I'm like, man, I don't know what this looks like because I've never done it. And it's like, no, you know, you didn't get taken this far to be dropped on your face. You know, as long as you're doing the right thing, man, and you got you know, some form of understanding of a program and a routine, I, I honestly think it's one of like, I feel like you're unstoppable. Um, so yeah, the effort, the effort thing is, is huge for me. And, um, you know, nothing, I, I don't think anything is impossible. Uh, as long as you're doing it for the right reasons. And, and, and again, whatever those reasons are, they're for you. And, and hopefully they center around a program of recovery because anything that I've ever done in the program, I've, like it says, like try to practice these principles in all your affairs. If I'm practicing these principles and whatever I'm doing, it's a home run. Yeah, that's man. That's awesome advice. The, uh, the effort has to be there. Absolutely. Yeah, without a doubt. 
So you can connect with Matt and learn more about FroPro and the FroPro Foundation at gofropro.com. Thanks again for coming on with me, Matt. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you letting me be here. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the info from today's episode. Sober Nation FM is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Sobriety Engine is a free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. This show is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle while supporting your sobriety, you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And again, whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. Nation, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.